open your Bibles tonight, if you have them with you, and I hope you do, to the book of Daniel, okay? The book of Daniel. Excuse me, I will do my best tonight to, uh, to try to not hold you too long, okay? I, trust me, folks, I try that every service. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, amen. I want you to go to the book of Daniel, and I have a thought tonight that I want to share. And uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday morning. It may have been Friday morning, but I think it was yesterday morning. In my, uh, in my Bible reading, I, uh, um, uh, the, the Holy Spirit quickened this phrase to my heart as I was reading in, in Daniel chapter 2. So I want to I share some thoughts with you tonight from the Word of God. hope to encourage your heart a little bit this evening. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 24 is where we're going to begin. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 24 says this, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. And then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare unto the king. But there is a God in heaven, hallelujah, who reveals secrets, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your, of your head upon your bed are these. But I want to call your attention to that, to that 27th, 28th verse, where, where Daniel said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare unto the king. In other words, what you've asked them to do is impossible. But there is a God in heaven. Oh, I don't know about you, but I feel that tonight. Are you glad that there is a God in heaven. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence tonight, for the word of the Lord. We just ask you to help us to minister your word tonight. Open our hearts to receive the seed of your word on good ground, and we will give you the glory and the praise for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said Amen and amen. Praise God. I'm trying to get things going here. All right. King Nebuchadnezzar, if you'll read this second chapter of the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it was a dream that troubled him. And uh, 
the thing was he had he had this dream and he 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 knew it was something special but he had forgot he couldn't remember what it was and so he calls all the wise men the magicians the astrologers of babylon to give him the meaning, to tell him the interpretation and the meaning of the dream. And as I said, he couldn't recall the dream, so what he did was he required these astrologers, these magicians, to, to tell him the, the dream and the interpretation, which uh, was impossible for them to do. Now, if he would have told them the dream, and this was all planned by the Lord, because if he would have told them, I had this dream and here's what it is, well, they could have gave him any kind of interpretation, but it's going to take God to give the dream and the interpretation when nobody knows what the dream was. The king's forgotten what the dream was. And so it's an impossible situation. There's no way they can give him the dream, tell him what he had dreamed. So they told him, they said, King, we can't do that. Nobody can do that. And so it infuriated Nebuchadnezzar, and he ordered all of the wise men of the kingdom to be executed. Well, when, we, when he gave that decree that all of the wise men of the kingdom of Babylon be, uh, be executed, that also included three of God's men. It included, um, it included Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. So the word came to them that, um, that, that they were going to be killed. And Daniel said, what's going on? What's the problem? What's going on? So Ariok told Daniel, this is what's happening. This is what the king is requiring. And um, so Daniel told him, you go tell the king. You go tell the king to give me some time. And um, I will have the interpretation, the dream and the interpretation of that dream for him. Just give me a little time. So the very thing that Daniel did in this situation was he got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego together and called a prayer meeting. Boy, I tell you what, when you don't know what to do, it's a good thing just to call a prayer meeting, isn't it? And so Daniel called a prayer meeting, and he and those three companions of his got together, and they began to pray, and they began to seek God. And so God answered their prayer, and God gave the dream and the meaning of the dream to Daniel in a night vision, I believe that, that God caused Daniel to dream the same dream and showed him exactly what it was. And then God, by the Spirit of the Lord, gave him the interpretation. So Daniel says to Ariok, bring me before the king. I've got the answer. I, I, God has revealed the dream and the interpretation. And so he's brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar asked him, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And then our text is what Daniel says to him. He says, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare it to you, king, but there is a God in heaven. Daniel then proceeded to tell the king the dream. He gave him the interpretation of the dream. And when it was all said and done, Nebuchadnezzar, it was the correct dream. And so thereby they knew that the interpretation, all of this was from God. 
And so Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel in the kingdom. He gave him great gifts and made him the chief, his chief administrator in the kingdom of Babylon. And so we know that story. And, and, and that, that, that text, the very thing that Daniel said, just got a hold of my spirit yesterday morning. And, and, and I just begin to think, you know what? When we're in trouble, and when we don't have an answer to life's problems and to the situations of life, and when life gets rough, we're, in fa- we're facing impossible situations and maybe even facing apparent defeat in our life. This is the thing that we have to remember is that no matter what we're going through or how hard the situation may seem, that there is still a God in heaven. No matter what the devil's trying to do, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how bad the country is, there is still a God in heaven. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He he has not went out of business at all. And we've got to remember that, that there is a God in heaven and he is the answer to your problem. He is the solution to your your dilemma. He is well able to deliver you and me from whatever we may be facing or whatever we may be going through and God is still able to work all things together for good to them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. There is a God in heaven tonight. And I'm here to tell you that God is is for you. He's on your side. And he will not let you die in your dilemma. No matter how bad or how impossible your circumstances are, God is able to turn it around. Here Daniel and his three companions were facing execution. But in one night... God totally changed the situation. And Daniel said, there's a God in heaven and we're going to trust him. Can I get an amen tonight? I'm glad for the, for the Lord. Now, um, I just wanna, wanna give you a, a, just a few Bible stories too to illustrate this text tonight. And uh, I want to... to uh, to go to the book of Exodus. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just give you the story. We're all familiar with the situation there in the book of Exodus. God's people were in bondage to uh, Pharaoh and slavery there in Egypt for many years. Some, some, uh, some many years they were in Egypt. I think a total of 430 years, but for part of that time, a lot of that time, they were in slavery there. They were under the whiplash of Pharaoh and his taskmasters. But you know the story. They cried out to the Lord, and um, God saw their situation, and God sent Moses to uh, be their deliverer, to get them out of their dilemma there in uh, Egypt. And uh, Moses goes before Pharaoh, who, of course, is a type of the devil, and uh, Egypt being a type of the world, a type of sin, 
And here God's people are bound and Moses goes with the message to, the, to, to Pharaoh and he approaches his throne and he says, let my people go. Do you know that's the same message today that the Lord is giving to us today and saying to the enemy today, let my people go. As I preach this morning, there's no reason whatsoever for any of God's people to be in any bondage today and I believe the same message rings true today God wants his people to go free so the message was let my people go well Pharaoh you know the story he refused to turn them loose at first but finally through uh, a series of miracles a series of plagues that God brought upon Egypt the power of Egypt the strongest and the greatest nation on the face of the earth at that particular time and in that day the power of Egypt was broken off of, off, of, uh, off of the people of God and they were completely delivered by the blood of the slain lamb and they marched out of Egypt. The day finally came, amen, that Pharaoh let the people go. And they marched out of Egypt, uh, a mighty army, no longer slaves, but completely set free. He let them go. And now they're, they're on their way to the promised land. What they had longed for, what they had dreamed of, what they had hoped for, God had made happen and made possible in their lives. All the time that they were under the taskmasters of Pharaoh in, there in Egypt and had prayed many times to be liberated. And finally now that day has come. And I want to tell you something, church. We need, we need to understand that there's never a time to quit there's never a time to give up because you know what? That victory may not come instantaneously. That bondage may not be broken in, an, in a moment or time or when we think that it should as it was with, with the people of Israel in Egypt. But I'm telling you, if we will keep going Praise God, if we will keep on hanging on and trusting God and believing God and continue to declare, let my people go, God will come through for you, amen, and he will make a way where there is no way. They marched out of Egypt totally free. God led them out. But, but there's something interesting there that God was leading them out of Egypt, but he led them, if you'll read the 13th chapter of Exodus, he led them the long way around. In other words, he didn't send them on a direct course to the promised land. He led them around by a certain way, the long way, and uh, brought them right to the, the edge of the Red Sea. And uh, there they were. The Red Sea, as you know, was in front of them. There were mountain range on each side. And here they are there before the Red Sea. They have no way, no way to go. And then all of a sudden they noticed from behind them there was the approaching army of the Egyptians with their chariots, with their horses, with their swords glistening in the sun. Uh, Pharaoh had had a change of mind and a change of heart after, after he had told them they could leave. He got to thinking, why did we do that? So he sends out his army to recapture them and bring them back. And you can always count on the devil not to leave you alone. He may 
set you. He may have to turn you loose, but he's always coming back to try to bring you back into bondage and into captivity, but you don't have to let him do it. Come on, somebody, amen. You, you can stay free today. And so there they were. They're at, the, that the, they're at the, the edge of the Red Sea. There's mountains on either side. The enemy is coming in from behind, and they become feared with, uh, filled with fear, and they cried out to Moses, and they said, why did you bring us here to die? Well, weren't there... You know, weren't there any graves in Egypt? We could have stayed there. It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt and remain slaves there in Egypt than to die here in this wilderness. And they begin to chide Moses and they begin to complain. And Moses cried out unto the Lord. And I love what the Lord said to him. When he cried out to the Lord, the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, you tell the children of Israel to go forward. There's never a retreat. Where are they going to go? There's a sea in front of them, but he said, you tell them to go forward. I like what Brother Rod always says. We keep marching, praise God. We just keep going forward. There's no place for retreat in these days which we're living in. And so the Lord told Moses, he said, Moses, you take the rod that's in your hand and you stretch it out over the sea. And when he did, the great, probably the greatest miracle that had ever taken place took place. A great east wind came and God parted the waters of that Red Sea. There was a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other side. The, wall, the water just, just split in two and, and, and raised up and just congealed there and, and dried out the ground before them and here all all of a sudden, now, in an instant of time, there is a highway right through the Red Sea. Amen. There's a way of escape. They couldn't go to the right. They couldn't go to the left. And the enemy's closing in behind. But God opened up a way for them. Praise God. And so here they go. They, they cross through. They go through the sea to the other side. The pillar of cloud that had been leading them, the pillar of cloud and fire, the presence of the God, uh, the presence of the Lord went, went behind and in between the Israelites and the Egyptians so that the Egyptians couldn't come near them all night while they crossed over that, cr cr crossed through the Red Sea. But then when the cloud lifted, the Egyptians said, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And so they started through the Red Sea and God had Moses to stretch out that rod one more time and the sea came in and drowned the Egyptians. I love verse 30 of that 14th chapter where of Exodus where it said, you know, God had told them, said, the, 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 the Egyptians, these Egyptians that have tormented you and held you in bondage these years, you're gonna see them again no more. And they saw them one more time. And, if, and Exodus 14, 30 said that they 
saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Praise God. They couldn't hurt them no more. They couldn't take them back into captivity. Amen. And every Egyptian was drowned. Listen, listen. All of a sudden now, they're on the other side of the Red Sea. And there's a sound coming from the other side of the Red Sea. And now, it's not a sound of complaining. It's not a sound of murmuring or grumbling. It's not a cry of fear. But what we hear on the other side of the Red Sea is the tambourines shaking and playing and the women beginning to praise the Lord. And we hear them singing a song of praise. They went from complete fear to having a Holy Ghost camp meeting on the other side and praise in the name of the Lord. And they said, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Do you know what they were saying in that song of praise? They were saying Pharaoh thought he had us and there was no way out and we didn't know what we were going to do. But there he is a God in heaven, hallelujah, that came on the scene and he delivered us and he brought us through and he dispelled our enemies. Praise God, I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that in the times that we're living in today, in the times of distress, when we don't see any way out and the devil's closing in, you got to remember that it don't matter what's going on, there's still a God in heaven. There's still a God in heaven that knows how to bring you through and bring you out. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Shadrach. We, we talked about Daniel and his buddies, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned of this very thing themselves in that fiery furnace, amen? We're all familiar with that, with that story. Nebuchadnezzar had made that image of gold from, uh, and made a decree that had come from the palace, 90-something feet high was that image, and he had decreed that everyone's gonna have to bow and worship the image or be thrown into the fiery furnace. And all the people, as the music begins to play, all of the people begin to fall down and begin to worship the image. That You know, this is a picture. I believe Daniel 3 is a picture of the tribulation under the Antichrist. That image that was set up by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar being a, a type of the Antichrist. And that image that was set up there. You know, the Antichrist, the man of sin, when he comes on the scene he will have an image made of himself and he will set that image in the in the temple of God in Jerusalem and demand to be worshipped. And everybody must will have to worship the image of that of the beast. Those who refuse to worship will to worship the Antichrist will be executed. They'll be have to give their life. And that's a type of what was going on here. What was going on here is a is a precursor or a type of what will happen during the tribulation period. But everybody begins to worship this image, except for these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, what 
would it hurt, hurt? We'll just bow down so we don't have to get thrown in the fiery furnace and then we'll repent later. Well, you know, that's, that's not what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Are you listening to me? But, but, uh, but they refuse to bow to the image. Nebuchadnezzar gets word. There's three of those Hebrews that refused to bow down. And so he sent for them and he called them and he said, they tell me that you're refusing to bow and worship the image that I've set up. And they replied, yes, uh, that's true. We are not going to worship that image because there is a God in heaven and he is the only true God and the real God and we will bow to no one except him. And he said, you know, I'm gonna give you one more chance to bow down and worship this image and if you don't, you're going to be put into that fiery furnace and I love the answer that they gave to Nebuchadnezzar. They said, if you put us in the furnace, our God is able to deliver us from your burning fiery furnace. But then they went on to say, but you know what, O king, even if he don't, even if he chooses not to, we still are not going to bow down to the image that you've set up. And even if you put us in that fiery furnace and make crispy critters out of us, our God will deliver us from your hand and we will not bow. Well, that infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. He heated that furnace seven times hotter than it had been heated before. They were bound up and the mightiest men of the army in the in the army of, uh, of Babylon threw those three children those three Hebrew children into the fire but ladies and gentlemen there is a God in heaven tonight and that fire could not hurt them it could only burn off the bonds and set them free I love what happened you know they fall down in that fire and Nebuchadnezzar looks in there expecting them just to be toast you know just to be burnt to a crisp and he looks in that furnace and he sees something that he cannot believe. He can't believe what he's seeing. He said, didn't we, didn't we put three men bound in there? And they said, yeah, king, that's right. And he said, well, I see four and they're loosed and that fourth man looks like the son of God. Well, hallelujah. He was, he is the son of God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. They brought them out of that furnace and that the Bible said their clothes weren't burned. There wasn't a hair of their head, head, head that was singed. They didn't even have the smell of fire or smoke on. That's something. That's a miracle right there. Amen. You can hang around a campfire or a bonfire and you're going to get, you don't even have to get in it and you're going to get the smell of fire. These guys didn't even have the smell of a fire on them because God protected them. There is a God in heaven that'll see you through the fire, that'll bring you through the furnace of affliction, that'll bring you through the furnace of persecution. Amen. We're go we've come to the place, church, where we are going to have to believe this God that I'm talking about tonight in the day and the hour which we live. We're going to have to believe God for supernatural protection and deliverance today. He'll do it today, amen? We can't be chickening out. 
We can't be compromising with the world and with the enemy. There may come, and I'll use the word may, I believe I could say there will come, if the Lord tarries the rapture, but there will come, there is coming a time that we as a church are going to be forced to take a stand for God and for the word of God. We're getting ready, and I preached, I don't remember when it was, I look back, I saw my notes here a few weeks ago, but back in, it was before the winter, it was in, uh, uh, in the late fall, and some of you all will remember that I preached on the persecution that is coming before any of what we're seeing now ever happened. But I preached a message to prepare us that, that we need to be preparing for persecution. A lot of people just listened to that and said, yeah, okay, well, yeah, you know, we, you know, we live in America. That ain't gonna happen here. But, but, but there is a time that I believe is coming for, to the church where the church is going to face this fiery furnace of persecution where we are going to be forced to take a stand for the Lord and for the Bible and for what we believe. And we've been saying for years what we believe and we've been preaching for years, you know, the word of God and, and um, how we believe that God can do anything for us. But I think we're gonna get a chance to put that into practice in these last days, amen? Persecution's coming. Now, I don't believe, I don't believe you know that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that we're going to be raptured out before the tribulation period begins and before the wrath of God's poured out and before the Antichrist um, comes on the scene and, 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 and takes his spot. I believe we're going to be raptured out before then. But listen, we have not. God's not appointed us to wrath. The Bible says that. But we have not been promised an, an uh, immunity from persecution. Are, are you listening to me? We, we haven't. No, no Christian has been promised that, we, that we'll be spared persecution. And listen, we have been in America we have been spared because of the great country we live in and because of the, the rights that we have in our constitution and, and the privileges that we have in this nation. I preached a little about it this morning, but we've been, we've been pretty much protected. But I believe, I believe those days are about over. We're seeing it now, even in some parts of this nation where you have governors that are liberal that are still, that are, that are allowing, even though the president, thank God, told them they had to let, let them have church. But some of those liberal governors, though, are saying, you can have church, but you can't sing. Or you can't, they use, he used the word chant, but uh, meaning, I guess, we can't, they can't praise the Lord. They can't pray. In other words, you can go to church, but keep your mask on and keep your mouth shut. Well, I'm telling you, 
if there ever comes to Missouri, I think it's gonna be a time to stand up and say, we ain't shutting up. We ain't stopping our praise. We ain't stopping our prayer. Come on, we cannot bow to the Nebuchadnezzars of this world. There is a God in heaven that will see us through the fires of persecution. Amen? I mean, he said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Didn't say anything about us being exempt from that. And if we're living godly, somebody says, well, I ain't been persecuted. Well, check up on yourself. (laughs) I believe it is coming. I don't say that to frighten anybody or to you know, to scare anybody. We're still looking for the rapture, amen? But, uh, but there's some, some, some difficult days ahead for the church. But if we'll take that stand, he will show up and he will be with us and the Lord will bring us through that fire of persecution. I don't know that it will come to the place of martyrdom I don't know that. I don't know that it will come to the place in this nation of being arrested and put in jail, although we did see a couple of pastors that I know of that was on television that were arrested because they continued to have services after the lockdown came. So we may see more of that. But the thing that I'm saying is Jesus said... Even if, and he told that the churches there, uh, I believe it was the church of Smyrna in the book of Revelation, even if it comes to death, be thou faithful even unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. I don't know. You know, I'm standing here thinking tonight, and you just think about it. How many of us would we be able, could we, if we're faced with death, Denying the Lord or being put to death, could we do that? Well, I believe, yeah, I believe that the grace, oh, hallelujah. If you're determined to take that stand for the Lord, I believe he will provide the grace that it takes to go through whatever we're called upon to go through. Can you, can you, you, you agree with that? I thought of that church, mentioning that church at Smyrna, and I thought of the bishop of the church at Smyrna in the, was it the, the second century? Uh, second or third century, I don't remember, but um, it's been a while since I read it, but the bishop of the church of Smyrna was a man by the name of Polycarp. Anybody ever heard of Polycarp? He was a convert of John the Beloved, the Apostle John. He had been taught by him, trained by him, and he was a bishop there. I think maybe even appointed the bishop there at Smyrna uh, by John possibly. But anyway, be that as it may, Polycarp was arrested for his testimony, for his preaching. They had hidden him out uh, from the authorities uh, for quite as long as they could, but they finally found him, and then they arrested him. They brought him before the tribunal, and they told him that he had to say, Caesar is Lord. That's all he had to do. 
Caesar is Lord. And he refused to do that. And he said, no, Jesus is Lord. He is the only Lord. Amen? But they took Polycarp and they said, if you don't denounce your, the Lord and you don't uh, declare Caesar's Lord, then you're going to be burned at the stake. And they took him and they tied him up and they put the wood around him and uh, gave him one last chance and he's praising God and declaring Jesus as Lord and they lit the fire around Polycarp and they said to him, just, just one more opportunity and he said, here was what he said. He said, 80 and six years have I served him and never one time has he failed me or let me down. How could I deny his holy name? Hallelujah to the Lamb. And at that word, they lit the, the fire around him. And uh, the, 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 the history says that the flames made an ark outward and wouldn't even touch his body. They made an ark outward away from the body of Polycarp. And he's tied to the stake and the fire going out away from him. And he's just praising the Lord. Hallelujah. And when they saw that, one of the soldiers took a spear and rammed a spear into his side to kill him and when he did there was such a gush and a, a gushing and amount of blood such a great amount of blood that poured forth out of his body that it extinguished the fire that they had kindled around him hallelujah did he die yeah he died but he died here he closed his eyes here but he woke up in the presence of the Lord glory to God I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that'll see us through if we will make that determination that we will take a stand for what is right, for the word of God, and for the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of the price that it may cost us. Hallelujah. Same thing basically, you know, happened in the early church with Peter. James was killed by Herod, and uh, he was beheaded, and it pleased the Jews. So Herod went ahead and arrested Peter and put Peter in prison and was planning on executing Peter the very next morning, and he guarded him. He put 16 soldiers to guard him, chained him to two guards, one on each side. The Bible says that I mean, this is a bad situation for Peter, but the Bible says that the church went to prayer. That prayer was made to God without ceasing for the church, of the church for Peter. The church went to prayer and Peter went to sleep. Amen? I don't know, could, you go, could we go to sleep if we knew we were going to have to be executed the next morning? But he, he, was, he was probably the only one sleeping that night because the church was praying and they knew he knew that, that the church and the church knew that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how bad it looked, that's why they were praying because they knew there was a God in heaven that hears prayer and that there was a God in heaven that would answer prayer. And God did hear their prayer and that God in heaven did answer prayer and he sent his angel to that jail that night. That angel went in, walked in that jail cell that, that night and, and woke Peter up. And as and, and soon as Peter stood up, the shackles fell off of his hands. The jail door opened up. 
Peter followed that angel through the first and second ward, the gates just opening up automatically as the angel walked, uh, as the angel walked through them, the gates opened for Peter until he found himself completely out of jail and out in the middle of the street. Praise God. Now I'm going to tell you what, God done a miracle there, amen, and, and rescued Peter that night. And see, and here's the thing that I'm thinking, here's the thing that, that, that I believe tonight, that, that if it come to that again today in America, can we believe God would the church? I would hope, I would really hope that if I was arrested, and I was put in jail, and they was going to kill me in the morning, I'd really hope there'd be a few more people turn out for prayer meeting on Tuesday. <laughs> I'd really hope that there'd be some folks praying for me. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know what? I believe we're coming to that. I believe we're coming to that time in the church age, in this ending of the church age, in this winding down of the church age. We want to see miracles. We want to see signs. We want to see wonders. We want to see the power of God manifested. Well, praise God. We can see that today. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be a, 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 what a testimony that would be for them to lock up some Christians and, and some Christians praying and the jails opened up and See, this wasn't the first time God got Peter out of jail. Amen. It happened before. I still believe in the ministry of angels. I still believe that the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear the Lord. I still believe that there is a God in heaven that can get us out of every predicament, out of every situation. I believe there is a God who's got his church in his hands. And, and he will see us through. He will see us through. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. He got Peter out of there. But Herod got his coming to him. I mean, you know, Herod may persecute the church. And there are, listen to me, folks. There are Herods in America today that want the church shut down. They want that. They're controlled and inspired by the powers of darkness. But Herod may persecute the church. He may kill James and he may imprison the preacher. But just remember this, there is still a God in heaven that says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You remember what happened to this man, Herod? He's making a big speech one day, big, big time politician. And he's making a big speech and everybody's just applauding him and said, oh, this guy, he speaks like a God. It's like the voice of a God. We've never heard anything like it. The Bible said that he didn't give God the glory and it said that the angel of the Lord struck him, smote him. The angel of the Lord smote him. And the Bible said that he was eaten with worms. And I'm gonna tell you, he had a, had a, had a violent death, a very 
painful death, suffered in his death. He was eaten with worms and he died. See, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We need to understand this. God said that vengeance is mine and I will repay. Amen. They may be doing everything they can today to try to, to try to destroy the work of God and to silence the ministry and to silence the preacher and to silence the church. But I can tell you what, you need to be careful. They need to watch out. These liberal governors and these liberal mayors that are attacking the work of God, trying to stop you better, watch out. You may be successful to a degree, but there is still a God in heaven that says vengeance is mine I will repay you can't touch God's church when you do your touching the apple of God's eye and God will give retribution for those who try to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ when Saul was persecuting the church, if you'll remember when the Lord got a hold of him on the Damascus road, he said, Saul, so why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes it personal. Those who would touch the church are touching the Lord himself. It's the body of Christ. So buckle up your safety belt. Get ready. Again, I'm not trying to frighten anybody because Jesus will see us through and he's coming to get us. Amen? I notice Rule King has them five-gallon, I guess they're five-gallon buckets of food. Did you see that? They had stacks of them out there. So I didn't know, I didn't know you, you could get them there. You don't have to order them from Jim Baker. <laughs> The rule king's probably cheaper. <laughs> Amen. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that, that we as a, a, ch a church need to be operating in fear at all. But I do, th do feel that we need to be prepared for what's coming. Because right in the middle of the attacks of Satan upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ... Praise God. There's, there's, there's going to be, God's going to do something spectacular in the church, and then he's taken us out of here. Praise God. Amen. I, I used to have a track. Worship team, come on back. I got to close. I, I had a track. Uh, I used to have some tracks. I tried to order some of these same tracks, but I, I, uh, they don't make them anymore. I got them years and years ago, and I only have one left. It's a collector's item. But, but it's just, you know, a track needs to be simple because people open it up. They need, to, they need to get the message, boom, just like that right there without reading a whole lot of stuff. But this track had a cartoon on the front, and it had a cartoon of a, of a guy with a Bible, and he's preaching to somebody, you know. And, and the title of the track was How to Get Rid of Religious Fanatics. And so it starts out, you know, you know, are you, you tired of people, these, these religious fanatics bothering you and bugging you and all of this? I'm not quoting it verbatim. Well, let me tell you. And then it opens it up and it says, you won't have to worry about it much longer because they're all leaving here. 
<laughs> the Lord's coming to take them. And then it begins to tell about the rapture and asking them, are you ready for the rapture of the church? And then leads them in the plan of salvation. But I'm going to tell you what, these liberals wouldn't like nothing better than to see, get rid of us, to shut every church down, to get rid of the preaching of the gospel and Bible Christianity. That's their agenda, and that's what they want to do. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to get their wish soon because we're out of here. We're leaving here. Glory to God. We're going to leave it with them. But see, everything's being set up. What's happening right now is everything is being put in place and being set up for that one world system and for the Antichrist to, to step right right onto the scene and not have to do anything but flip the switch and everything already be in place. It is that we are there. It is happening right before our eyes, church. We're in the last days. And so we need to be concerned about our loved ones. We need to be praying for them. We need to be ready. We need to make sure that we're ready when that trumpet sounds because you don't want to be left here. You think it's bad now, honey. We ain't seen, they ain't, you ain't seen nothing compared to what it will be during that time of tribulation. But there is a God in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. He'll see us through our trouble. He'll make a way where there is no way. There is a God in heaven. Stand with me tonight. Praise the Lord.